What's up, boys and girls? Thank you for tuning in to the Josh Belcher Experience. I'm your host, Josh Belcher. Remember, this podcast is unique, just like all the other ones you listen to. The only thing that truly sets us apart is your host has an ADHD-driven mind, followed by a splash of bipolar tendencies. Now sit back, relax, hold on to your seats, and let's get this party started. Just saw online, and I'm very excited. There's a new movie coming out about Mr. Rogers. It's called A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, where Tom Hanks is going to bring the late television icon back to life. Looks amazing. Um, the film is based, actually, in part on an article written by journalist Tom Junod. And it's centered around TV star Fred Rogers and the ensuing friendship the two formed before Rogers' death in 2003. Now, uh... Junaid is a jaded magazine reporter who is assigned to profile the children's TV show host, and he follows him as he overcomes his skepticism and learns Roger's valued thoughts about empathy, kindness, and decency. And you see in the trailer as the reporter is with his wife, and he tells her who he's profiling. Um, she says, please don't ruin my childhood. So you already know the way the guy's leaning when it comes to Mr. Rogers. The trailer starts out with Tom Hanks singing Roger's iconic theme song as the journalist watches him before they sit down to start the interview. So he's actually behind the scenes looking at the set, um, behind the cameras and production and everything, watching Tom Hanks singing Mr. Rogers' song. You know, he takes the jacket off and puts the cardigan on, puts his shoes on. It's a really magical moment, and Tom Hanks is right on the money. Uh, portraying Mr. Rogers. And then as they sit down for their interview, the journalist asks him, he says, this piece will be an issue about, for an issue about heroes. Do you consider yourself a hero? And then this is when it gets really, really good. You get some of that dramatic um, music. And Tom Hanks' Mr. Rogers says, and I quote, we are trying to give the world positive ways of dealing with their feelings. There are many things you can do you can play all the lowest keys on the piano at the same time as he hits the big boom. He also says, sometimes we have to ask for help and that's okay. Later on the trailer, I think the best thing we can do is to let people know that each one of them is precious. Now, Mr. Rogers, as we all know, or most of us know, I don't know if millennials know, but they should, was the star of the beloved long-running children's series, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. It was the subject of a documentary won't You Be My Neighbor, that premiered at last year's Sundance Film Festival and was a hit at the summer box office. Now, the director, Marielle Heller, recently cleared up what the movie would be about, clarifying that it's not a biopic. She says, and I quote, This movie is not a biopic. I disliked that when it got announced it was characterized as such. It's really not. It's a movie that's largely focused on a reporter and Mr. Rogers' relationship to his life and how the reporter's whole world changes when coming in contact with Mr. Rogers. Now, Mr. Rogers was a magical person. I mean, I remember watching him, you know, in my living room as a child and just, uh, I mean, he was an active part of my life as well as a lot of people's. And uh, in closing with this, I wanted to bring up something that I looked up as I was doing some research on this movie. But it was Mr. Fred Rogers' acceptance speech at the 1997 Emmys where they gave him a Lifetime Achievement Award. Um, As he got up there, you know, very humbly, um, people stood up of all ages, applause, tears everywhere, and just grins, just 
uh, smiles on everybody's faces and speaking very briefly of his acceptance speech. Uh, and he didn't even focus on himself, really, not even for a minute. And this is what he said, and I thought you'd really enjoy it. Mr. Rogers says this. Thank you, thank you. Oh, it's a beautiful night in this neighborhood. So many people have helped me to come to this night. Some of you are here, some are far away, and some are even in heaven. All of us have special ones who have loved us into being. Will you just take along with me ten seconds to think of those people who have helped you become who you are? Those who have cared about you and wanted what was best for you in your life. Ten seconds of silence. I'll watch the time. Mr. Rogers looks at his watch. Everyone does the 10 second pause and then he closes with this, which is absolutely beautiful. Whomever you've been thinking about, how pleased they must be to know the difference you feel they've made. You know they're the kind of people television does well to offer our world. Special thanks to my family and friends and to my coworkers in public broadcasting, family communication, and this academy for encouraging me, allowing me all these years to be your neighbor. May God be with you. Thank you very much. And keep in mind, Mr. Rogers was a pastor who didn't even like television. He just wanted to find a way. He just wanted to see some good on television. He didn't feel there was any or anything to uplift people. And, um, you know, just amazing, amazing person. So I'm looking forward to this movie. And um, people like Mr. Rogers uh, encouraged me to be the way I am and to be okay with who I am. And uh, he was just a great neighbor. So look forward to checking that out. This week in history in 2018, Sir Paul McCartney performed a secret show at the Cavern Club in Liverpool where the Beatles played their first gig in 1961. Now, Mr. Mark McNamee is here for this week's Markisms. How cool would it have been to have been at either of those shows, the one in 1961 or the one in 2018? Either one would have been awesome. I mean, unfortunately, I was only 10 years old in 1961, but I would sure like to make the one last year. Anything he's ever done has always been top shelf, fantastic, great performance. I mean, and he continues today proving that. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen any of the Beatles live, not, or, or the Beatles themselves? No, I haven't, no. What, who is your favorite Beatle of all time? Your favorite singular Beatle? George Harrison. Yeah, the drummer. Um, and what is your favorite no, song? No, George Harrison was the drummer. George Harrison, your Ringo was the drummer. George right. Harrison was the quiet one. He was the quiet one, yeah. He did a lot of different things after he split up, but he was cool. Yeah, what, what was your favorite song by him? Oh, you know... I can't remember off the top of my head, but... My guitar gently weeps. Here comes yeah, the sun. Yeah, that was good. Here comes the sun. was great. Yeah. Thank you for correcting me. All right, that was this week's Markism. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a nice day. I should mention that I am a functioning hypochondriac. I want to tell you that. I function because it's my ADHD that keeps my hypochondria manageable. On those days that I'm convinced I need an ambulance, by the time I actually get to the phone to call one, I've been distracted four or five times. I usually wind up in the kitchen, I got a telephone, I can't remember why I have a telephone, and that's when I order our pizza. This week, we welcome to the Josh Belcher Experience podcast, comedian Jeff Allen. Now, Jeff Allen's rapid-fire humor, which centers on marriage and family, is a hit with all ages. 
a live comedy favorite. Jeff has appeared on Showtime, Comedy Central, VH1, and more. He starred in the critically acclaimed film Apostles of Comedy, the syndicated comedy series Bananas, his own one-hour comedy special, Happy Wife, Happy Life, and the Warner Brothers comedy film, Thou Shalt Laugh. Jeff's, Jeff's dry bar comedy videos went viral earlier this year, introducing him to tens of millions of new fans worldwide. At times both gut-wrenching and hilarious, Jeff's one-man show, The America I Grew Up In, offers a unique view into his crazy world. Be sure to check out Jeff Allen's videos on YouTube uh, and look at his website, jeffallencomedy.com, to see him coming to a comedy stage near you all over the U.S. Uh, me and my com comedic friend Brandon Skelton are getting ready to interview him, so stay tuned and check it out. We're proud to have here on the Josh Belcher Experience, comedian extraordinaire, Jeff Allen. How are you doing, sir? <laughs> I'm doing great. Man. And uh, also sitting with me to, to uh, conduct this interview is uh, new into the comedy juggernaut, Mr. Brennan Skelton. Hey, great to be on the show. <laughs> yeah. so, so, Mr. Allen, uh, what happened was is I was checking you out on YouTube and just splitting my sides. I mean, the, the, the dry bar comedy is just killer. Um, how did oh, all that thank come? you. How did all that come to be? And you've gotten so many views. I mean, it just blew up. What's what's going on with all that? Well, that's all on them. Uh, they're a, uh, they got a, they're quite an oiled machine. And um, I, I, I booked it back in October, I guess, of 2018. And I had not heard of Dry Bar. Uh, but when I told my wife I got booked on it, she went nuts because mm -hmm. apparently she gets it in her feet every day. So. Um, I, I didn't know anything about it, and then we taped it, I think, in January, and they released it in February, and, uh, boy, it just, uh, it exploded, and, uh, you know, um, I couldn't be more grateful. Yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. I've been a fan of yours a while, but I, I like to see new material, and, you know, in your in your sets, you, you talk about marriage with Tammy and everything, and uh, how long have you been married? What What's the story with all that? Well, next week will be 33 years. Wow, congratulations, that's awesome. Yeah, boy, if you were married to me, you'd know what a arduous climb that was for her. So, <laughs> <laughs> what's, uh, what's the secret in longevity? Uh, I'm uh, I'm 36, and I can't you know I can't seem to keep it together being a divorce guy. What what uh, can you give us some pointers? Travel, man, just travel. If you're gone <laughs> half the year, it makes it a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I get kind of mopey and sappy after a couple of weeks at home, and she just looks at me and says, "When are you leaving?" You know, I go, "Soon, baby, soon. Don't worry about it." So, so the key is travel, but but don't travel together, man. So that well, actually, we just came back from California together, but uh, yeah, we got to pick the right places. That's it. For her, it has to be five days. There has to be an ocean involved, and uh, and then she's cool with it. But. Um, yeah, the uh, the day to day uh, uh, travel that I do, uh, she just abhors it. Well, hey, uh, you know, speaking of being on the road, there, got got a question for you. You talk in your act about raising two boys. So, what was that like when you were on the road all the time? Well, uh, again, if I could do it over again, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know. I I only had one set of skills in life. You know, I I didn't have really a lot of choices for jobs. <laughs> but uh, I, um, I I I regret it. I mean, I, you know, and it's funny. My son, I have grandchildren now, and uh, my son said to me, "What's the difference between you know why are grandchildren so special?" I said, "Well, you know, when you were that age, I was uh, gone all the time, 
I was doing clubs five days a week, six days a week, um, you know, 40 weeks a year. So uh, I missed all that time with you, the, the ages of three to, to eight or nine, you know. And then um, when we got here in Tennessee, I was able to find uh, different places to work. I didn't have to travel as much, so I got to spend more time with them. But uh, I missed those um, those early years. And then, you know, obviously there were no cell phones uh, when, when my kids were that age. and uh, So you couldn't Skype and FaceTime and all that other stuff that, at least makes a, a, a better connection with them. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and we're very grateful uh, to our men and women in the service, and we, we're we're thank you to your son for his service. But oh, yeah. you, you tell the best bit about him talking about um, um, killing you with a popsicle. Are you intimidated <laughs> of him now? <laughs> hey, if he wanted to, you'd snap me like a twig. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he used to haul HVAC, um, you know, those big air conditioning units and things, man. And, uh, yeah, he's a bull. He's an absolute bull. So I uh, I just ask him, you know, we're doing all right, you and me, right? We're doing okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, he's fine. You know, and also in your bits, uh, you, you mentioned, you know, like living in Tennessee and you're proud of it. Do you, do you enjoy living here? Uh, Brandon and I are a couple of Tennessee natives. Uh, do you, are you proud to be from the area? Oh, I love it. Yeah, I consider myself a, a, a Tennessean, man. I, I was born and raised in Chicago, but uh, I've been here 22 years. So this is uh, this is home, and my, I live on a couple acres, and I told my wife, when I die, you can bury me in the backyard like Elvis, man. That's just, <laughs> People can come visit you. Like a, right next to the dogs and the hamsters, man. You know? <laughs> um, and you, you've been a, you have a, a long career in comedy. How long have you been in it now? Uh, since 78, so what is that, wow. 44, that's my 41st year. Yeah, Thanksgiving night, that's an easy one to remember. I, I got uh, I got pretty trashed one night and uh, decided I wanted to do comedy. And um, I don't know what I said. That was Thursday. I went back Sunday for another open mic, and the MC came over to me and said, uh, you're going to have to make some sense tonight. We're still trying to figure out what you said Thursday night. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't go well. Let's just say that. It didn't go yeah. well. Yeah. Now, um, this, this question more because I remember the first time I watched you was their banana special. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. yeah, a few years back. So now, um, how long have you, was it when you transitioned into a kind of the, the clean Christian comedy style? And well, back in my 30s, so I'm 63, so I was in my 30s, and um, it was probably a couple years before I committed my life to Christ. Um I just decided I watched Dice Clay. That's what it was. It was Andy <laughs> Dice Clay was on TV, and I, and I looked at my wife and I said, "The next comic that's going to break through dirty is going to have to go beyond that." And I I couldn't even fathom, um, even in my hedonistic life, I couldn't fathom going beyond that. So I I just kind of had the thought, I wonder if I could clean up. And I paid my kid a quarter for every cuss word that came out of my mouth, and you know. It, it was the first couple of weeks I was going broke. So uh, <laughs> it was more of an economic decision than anything else. And, but anyway, it was it became a challenge. And it was interesting to me as a storyteller how much better my comedy got uh, when you get a thesaurus out and you have to work your way around lazy language is what I used to call it. It's just there's lazy language. Um, and, um, you know, the, the F word should never be a punchline. Uh, to a joke. If it is, it's a weak joke. Yeah. So uh, that was kind of my mindset. And then it was a couple of years later, uh, you know, I committed my life to Christ. And then it was just kind of like, well, maybe, you know, God's hand was in this 
all along. You know, just said, I got plans for you. And, uh, you know, I just need you to clean yourself up a little bit before uh, before I, I open those doors or reveal myself to you or whatever, however that works. Now, um, I'm, I'm actually going to be going to your Lebanon show. That's the, uh, the America I grew up in tour, correct? Oh, in Lebanon, yeah. I'll be there. Yes, sir. Yeah. Now, um, now, as far as like with, with I, this, this will be my first opportunity to get to see you live, and um, I know with some comedians they would kind of work in like a message angle, kind of a you know t- testimony gospel. Like when when you've been doing your your tour recently, do you keep it strictly comedy? Do you kind of bring the faith element into it uh, with with the tour that you've been on? Yeah, I uh, I was just at the Improv in Irvine. And uh, I took about two minutes at the end of my show, near the end of my show, and said it would be wrong of me to not give God the glory. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, uh, you don't know much about me outside of what we just experienced. But, um, you know, and, and I did. I shared a little bit about it. And I do draw Christians, so there were there was a nice smattering of applause and stuff. But that's not why I do it. I just, uh, and I said, you know, I always close with, and if you're bothered by this, uh, just come back to the improv. The next 51 weeks, you can listen to all the blasphemy you want. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, come on, give me a break, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, I think I've earned the right. If you stand up there for an hour, you know, and make people laugh, you've earned the right to take a couple of minutes and share what uh, you hold sacred, uh, certainly, you know? And uh, believe me, uh, uh, other comics spew out there what they hold sacred all the time. You know, it just hasn't doesn't have a religious element to it. Yeah, it's one thing very true, and like you said, there's nobody you know that doesn't hesitate to use their freedom of speech. So, um, you know, points to you for for saying what you believe and and, and being able to deliver and have people laugh to their sides hurt because you know it, I'm listening to it, my cheeks are hurting just thinking about it. Ah, oh, that's it, great, man. It's a great set, and, and we're really looking forward to you coming uh, back here locally. But also, um, wh- I mean, where are you at right now? Uh, what's your tour schedule look like? Well, I'm going to Tempe Improv tomorrow, and then I go to a church in Dallas on Friday, and then I do a corporate show in Pittsburgh on Saturday. And then I'm home, and then the following week, I'm in a comedy club in Arkansas that I've never heard of or ever done. So I'm looking forward to that. They um, they called the other day. I guess the Saturday first show was sold out already. But um, it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I think, in Lowell, Arkansas. It's a small club. But um, looking forward to it. I, I, it's rare that I go to a club for three days. That's Normally cool. I'm, I'm in, I'm in one and I'm, and I'm out. You know, they're kind of one and done. But um, uh, I'm gonna, I'm bringing my golf clubs to Lowell, Arkansas. So <laughs> I, I hope there's some golf courses down there, man. All right, I was gonna throw one more question at you, and I appreciate you talking and safe travels, and thank you once again. But yeah. do you still love it after all this time? How do you keep it, you know, just as exciting as when you first got the the buzz of doing stand up? Well, twenty some years ago, I quit. I wasn't gonna do it anymore, and um, and that's where my faith came in. And um, I I am so grateful, and uh, considered everything. This from this moment forward is a, is a blessing and gravy, man. I, I I am shocked at how well things are going, and I enjoy it. And then uh, the fact that people do come over and they they share um, uh, you know testimonials with me that um, you know where they were in their life you know a month ago, a year ago, or whatever, and uh, heard something on YouTube or something that that got them out of that. You know, it, it is a ministry. It took me a long time to get my head around that. But um, when you honor your calling 
um, you know, then um, the, the, the one who calls will honor you, you know. And uh, it wasn't until I just said, you know, hey, I'll do it for you. I'll do it for your glory if I can, you know. And uh, it's just, it's not burdensome at all, not burdensome at all. Sometimes the travel gets a little tiring, you know, but um, I do work out. And that's yeah. why I work out because <laughs> I, I would die if I didn't, uh, you know, at my age, you know, um, all the different time zones and things. But, uh, no, I'm extremely grateful, man. I wake up every day and pinch myself. I go, wow, I can't wait, especially after that whole drive bar thing. That was just un- – I didn't see um, – you know, it was it far exceeded whatever I thought it would be. Well, that's awesome, Jeff Allen. Safe travels, and we're big fans here in the Middle Tennessee area, and we're proud that you call it home. And uh, we'll we'll catch you at this show when you got coming up in Lebanon. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. See ya. Thank you, Jeff. All right. Bye bye. Okay, we're here live for the lunch break, Bridgestone Arena, getting ready to rock and roll. Corn and Allison Chains hitting the stage with Under Oath and a band I don't know how to pronounce their name as the opener. Jeff, what are you thinking about this evening so far? I'm getting pretty excited about it. I can feel, feel it in your voice. You do. Yeah. Uh, Jeff and I were discussing earlier, and he made some valid points. I have not seen Allison Chains live. I've seen Jerry Cantrell because I felt up to this point I was cheating on Lane Staley, who was the original lead vocalist that died of a drug overdose. And Jeff comforted me with some valid points. Jeff, would you discuss what you told me about seeing Allison Chains sans their original uh, vocalist? I feel like uh, the person that he was, he'd want them to move on, to continue. Also, you have to think of it as a whole new animal. Yes, that was a very valid point. Made me feel comfortable because I actually felt a little guilty. Even though I love Alice in Chains, they were a part of the grunge movement that molded my life, molded my childhood. They came out of Seattle, Washington, alongside of the uh, greatest band in my life, Nirvana, along with Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, Screaming Trees, and a couple others I can't think of off the top of my head. But, uh, Jeff, uh, who are you most excited to see here tonight? I'm Alice in Chains. Who are you here? Well, Alice in Chains, of course. And what song do you want to hear the most? If they only played one song and then ran off stage. Oh, man. That, that is, that's tough. One, just one song. One song. Um, or one song. Let's say you were going deaf tonight. You got to hear one song before your ears went out. <laughs> well, I don't know. It, 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 uh, anything from Dirt. Anything. Okay. I'm wanting to hear uh, Stone from The Devil Brought Dinosaurs Here or Made Dinosaurs. The Devil Brought Dinosaurs. Or The Dinosaurs, courtesy of The, the Devil. Devil. Put Dinosaurs Here. There you go. Okay. So we've got them. We've got Corn. Uh, promises to be a big night. This place is filling up full of lots of colorful people. To our immediate left are three people that uh, look like they should be at a bowling tournament. Like, I don't know what they're here for. Corn and Allison Chains concert. Yeah, they look like they should be in Branson watching uh, Greg Brady put on a review show. (laughs) Donny Osmond. Yeah, anyway, so I bought um, for, it's not really lunch because it's almost dinner time, but right now I'm consuming a sugar-free monster. I'm a Red Bull fan. Gave $6 for it, so I'm going to drink every bit of it. Jeff's nursing Aquafina water, or Dasani. Uh, How much is that, $11? Uh, $5. $5 for a water. So we've we've paid our dues alongside of our tickets. And so going forward, we're looking forward, to, uh, I said forward three times, to the show. And that forward. was, we're yeah, look we're looking we're forward in life. Forward. That's right. A lot of fours in there. But we're going to get on with the show. We're going to check it out. We're here broadcasting live the Josh Belcher Experience. That's the lunch break for this week. Jeff, my co-friend, co-partner, co-worker, co-whatever, and uh, we're out of here. Have any last words to say there, Jeff? 
Uh, let's rock. Let's rock. Okay, guys, we'll catch you next time. Hola, como esta? In this segment, we're talking with Anthony Briscoe, the lead vocalist of Seattle soul punk band Down North, which just dropped a new single called Your World. Now, this song has a really deep and touching meaning as Your World is inspired and dedicated to gun violence victim Sandra Parks. Okay, with the lyrics that tell the story of a little girl brushing her hair in her bedroom, Down North's frontman Anthony Briscoe portrays a simple scene that would fall to pieces should a stray bullet shoot through the glass of her window panes. With a voice that summons righteous anger and beautiful uplift, Briscoe brings a full range of emotions to the listener's ear. This song is dedicated to Milwaukee's Sandra Parks, a 13-year-old student and award-winning anti-gun essayist who was shot and killed in her bedroom in 2018 by stray bullets so we're going to talk to anthony in more detail and learn more about the song this is in a memory of sandra parks I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Hey, listen, uh, you know, discovered your new song, Your World, which is a moving song. It's got a deep, um, deep meaning to it. Uh, can we just start off and, and, and discuss that and inspiration behind it, the, the young uh, lady, Sandra Parks, if you would, please? Say that one more time. Say that one more time because the, the phone started cutting out. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I was saying, uh, you know, I was digging that tune, Your World, that you guys, you know, the new single you've got. Ah, it's, yes. It's very, it's very deep, the meaning behind it. Uh, the young lady, Sandra Parks, if you could, you know, talk on that for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, when I originally first wrote the song, um, I was working at, um, during the Christmas time for, like, Christmas extra help mm-hmm. at um, Toys R Us. Um, this is when they were, you know, still around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, there was this, like, this, this mother, she was, a, I was a cash register person, and that was where the um, the video games and stuff was. And there was also furniture next to the place. And there was this mirror, right? And this yeah. girl was just, like, she had her, her headphones on, and she was just getting it. I mean, she was just getting down and she was just dancing like crazy. And I was like, wow, okay. Um, what is she listening to? And this is like when Lady Gaga first um, like came out and she was yeah. like, she just can't stop listening to Lady Gaga. She just, she just, she plays that CD all day long and just <laughs> listens to it over and over. And over. Like the mother was like, she's just tired. I'm Lady Gaga. <laughs> 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 but this girl, I mean, she was just dancing. I was like, wow. 
And I remember when I was young and um, my grandmother bought me um, some the Michael Jackson CDs and how I was. Yeah. And just listening to those and, you know, being into that world, you know, and it just reminded me of that. And then there's a song by, um, I wanted, you know, the woman that sings um, I Am Woman, Hear Me, Hear me Roar. I think Hear Me Roar, yeah, yeah. That's, that's yeah, what's that song? Who is that? Let's sing. I can't think. But she also has a song called Angie Baby. Yeah, I remember. I couldn't tell you the name. Yeah. You, you live your life on the song you hear on the rock and roll radio. Yeah. And when a young girl doesn't have any friends, that's a really nice place to go. <laughs> so um, that was like one of my favorite songs, too. So it was like it was like a combination of that experience and that, you know, had me write the lyrics and idea of your world and the escapism of music. And then um, before Sandra Park died, I heard her her um, her poem yeah. or essay um, about, you know, escaping. Yeah. yeah. Right. About, about, about escaping gun violence and, you know, being in the hood and listening to music to escape and the stuff that she's around, like she sees this other stuff, but she's able to escape of it from music. Exactly. Yeah. And, and 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 this was and and I wrote it, you know, after writing that. And the second verse was written off of that because I I wrote the, the the first verse that was easy, and then um, that's what about the little girl. And then the second verse was after I heard um, her part. Yeah, her essay because sometimes it takes me a long time to write lyrics. Like I hate writing lyrics. Like some people, it's just so easy for them. Uh, I I envy those people. I struggle at it. I listen. I'm so picky. I know like when I collab with people, the first thing I tell them, I know what I don't want. I don't know what I want. <laughs> you know, so I just. Yeah, uh, the second verse after I had that, I got inspired to write that. And then, you know, uh, years later, she ended up dying from gun violence. And I was like, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, I have this song where, you know, it, it was about her, and I always wanted her to hear it. And I, it, it's totally different than probably the music that she used to listen to, you know, and stuff like that. You know, it, it ended up turning to like a pop rock song. And the crazy thing, like the, the music for it, because um, I wrote it to a beat that, like the, the version of Your World that you hear today and the version that it originally came from, remember that band Cake? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, Brandon, the bass player in the band, he made a track. With that riff, do 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 do, you know that that they had that riff and it sounded like a cake song, and um, so I went back and I was like, hey, just give me just the instrument, you know, the the instrumental without that, without the drums and stuff on it, and then I resampled it and I sped it up and made it a lot more energy and stuff, and then I put some crazy keyboards and stuff around it. It had, like, this crazy, like, outcast-type feel. And that's where it was for a while. And then I was like, ah. But then I wrote the second verse, so then we start performing it. Yeah. And once we started performing it, then it started um, getting a life of its own. It started, it came more of a, a soul punk song. 
and became more of what our sound is that is now. Um, but it really took, like, there was an evolution. If you hear, like, all the versions of the song until the final version that we have now, it's a total different thing. But it had to go through all of that. So yeah. I just feel like the, you know, you have to let the music do its thing and just let the inspiration come. I try not to force lyrics. Every time I force lyrics, we never do those songs. Like, I can't feel it. Like, the songs have to just come out. And sometimes when it comes to um, writing lyrics and writing songs and stuff like that, it's just, it's, you, you can't make it come out. And sometimes a song will just come out in five minutes. Sometimes it'll take three years. You know, that yeah. song took three years uh, to, 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 to write. Um, and uh, we actually recorded the song um, about three, four years ago. So it just shows you how far that song has come to where it is right now, um, to being released just now. And I kept uh, a lot of our songs. Like we have like a, another like four or five uh, albums worth of catalogs worth of songs yeah. that we haven't released because we were waiting for. We're, we're now signed with Live Nation, but we were waiting for something to happen because you know it's expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's just yeah. Introducing a new segment in the Josh Belcher Experience podcast tonight. My friend Adam Cribbs and I, uh, both uh, professional wrestling or wrestling, as we call it in the South, uh, connoisseurs, um, went to a WWE show called Smackville in Nashville, Tennessee at Bridgestone Arena. And uh, we don't have a name for this segment. It will be, you know, part of the show as wrestling comes to town and we will discuss uh, matches and events we're going to. So, uh, no name as of yet, but the maiden voyage is on this episode, and it's coming up right around the corner. Enjoy. So, sitting in traffic after going to the WWE Smackville show, sitting here with my buddy Adam. Adam, what did you think of tonight's events at the Bridgestone Arena in Nashville? I was kind of disappointed, to be honest. Tell us why. What, what about this night made it a disappointing night of worldwide entertainment wrestling well to begin with no titles changed hands none at least one should have I agree uh, number two none of the main male stars showed up zero that's the truth and, and even the, the matches promised the guys didn't even show up Finn Balor wasn't here uh, Drew McIntyre Roman Reigns very lackluster event considering the money we paid yes I agree and the seats we sat in started with a highlight. A young man to my left uh, spilled a whole entire beverage all over the floor, and we told his parents, and they just said, oh. So we sat most of the night in sticky... Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper. That's what it smelled like. And then on top of that, to our right was another child, a special needs child, who shooed us and told us to get out of the way because we were close to his seats. So all in all for this um, podcast event, uh, WWE Smackville, which was put on the WWE Network, and they were billing it as a big time for the whole world to see. Uh, out of four stars, how many stars would you give it? Two. That's two Adam Cribb stars. I'm right there with him. Um, the best part, we caught a pancake uh, straight out of the underoos of WWE SmackDown champion Kofi Kingston. And I got my picture made with Bailey, the WWE women's champion. But other than that, um, not much going on. What was your favorite uh, part of the night? 
Uh, well, that's a hard one because there was far and few in between. There wasn't there wasn't many to choose from. I guess the highlight sitting in this parking garage getting ready to go home. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, this is my buddy Adam Cribbs. First time on the podcast. Share anything else to say as we send it off for the night? Thanks for the great night, buddy. That's it. All right, we'll catch you next time. Uh, Adam's my partner when we go to wrestling events, so we'll get a name for this segment next time. Uh, and for Josh Belch and the Josh Belcher Experience, um, we're going to put this one in the books, and we'll catch you next time with whatever we name the wrestling segment. All right, bye. Okay, and that wraps up another edition of the Josh Belcher Experience podcast. I'm your host, Josh Belcher. I want to take this time to thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the podcast. Special thanks to this week's guest, stand-up comedian Jeff Allen, soulful punk band down north out of Seattle, Washington, comedian Brandon Skelton. You keep listening to them, I'll keep making them. And if you have anybody you think would be a great guest, please have them email me at joshbelcher at hotmail.com. You have a great rest of your week. Take care of yourselves, and remember, I love you for who you are and where you're at in life. Have a good week. We'll see you next time. Okay, bye.